We're doing a series on the seven ups for 2013. The first one was wake up. The second one was dress up. The third one was look up. And of course, part two was look up part two. I'm going to move into an, uh, another area on the ups today. And I'm going to kind of combine, even though I don't like the word shut up and speak up. You know, my mom used to wash my uh, mouth out with uh, soap when I sassed her, you know, and you have an old Irish mother, you toe the line, man. And uh, I can remember going into that little bathroom off of our kitchen and getting my mouth washed out good. And so shut up isn't a really a very pleasant word, and we're not really going to center in on that one today. But there's a, there's a lot in the Word of God concerning watching the words we speak. I mean, really, you, if you look at the book of Proverbs, I mean to tell you, yeah, it will really, really give you a wake-up call. But this morning, uh, I think we're going to look at more in the arena of speaking up. I think there's times where we don't speak up enough when the enemy knocks on the door of our soul. I think sometimes we try to outthink him and, and try to deal with him in the arena of the mind alone. And really, the mind is the arena of faith. And the enemy will come to your mind and come to your soul with all sorts of threats, threats of failure, threats of disease, threats of premature death. I mean, all sorts of stuff. And he will just bring lies to your soul. Well, listen, I believe that those things need to be answered. I believe that we need to speak up, to stand up and speak up and say, look, that's not the way it's going to be. This is the way it's going to be according to the word of God. You see, we do overcome by the blood of the lamb. It is true. But we also overcome by the word of our testimony. 12, 11, you'll understand that the word word there in Revelation 12, 11 is the word rhema. And so it is a spoken word that we speak up in a time of adversity that really the enemy on the run. Amen. And you know, Jesus demonstrated this principle for us so very well. I want to look at it in Mark chapter 11 this morning. And I want you to notice with me and, uh, oh, you know, for the time we have, I mean, this, this message. How many of you believe me, with me for the right words for the right time? Yeah. So let's pray. Just stretch forth your hand. Ask God to help me. Father, I receive your help today to these precious people. And Lord, I give you glory. I give you honor for it in the mighty name above every name, the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So now in Mark eleven twenty two, we're going to see this in uh, verse 12. And on the mor- morrow, when they were come to Bethany, he was hungry. And he saw a fig tree off having leaves. He came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing. Say he found nothing. Well, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. Have you ever looked in the cupboards and found nothing? Have you ever looked in your checkbook and found nothing? Well, Jesus found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. So, what did he do then when he came up against nothing? You see, where there are leaves, there should be figs. And where there are no figs, and but there are leaves, uh, basically we could say that it's boasting of something it's not producing. So he came up to nothing, and he answered nothing, and he said unto it, in verse 14, Jesus answered it and said, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples 
heard it. So what was he answering? He was answering nothing. He spoke unto it. Now in verse 20. And in the morning they passed by. They saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. How many of you know the trees, and I I might be wrong about this, please correct me, but trees, they don't die from the roots up, do they? I'm not sure. But anyway, notice in verse 21. And Peter calling to remember said to him, Behold, Master, the fig tree which you what? Which you curse. Now, Jesus didn't curse like we think of the term and terminology and curse, but he rebuked it. You know, he spoke to it. And uh, you can speak to those things that come against your life as well. And it withered away. Now, notice in verse 22. And Jesus answered unto them, Have faith in God. Now, literally in the Greek, it is have the faith of God. Or have the God kind of, the God quality of faith. I want to submit to you something this morning. That when you're born again, God dealt to you a measure of mountain moving faith. In Romans 12, 3 it says that he has given to every man that's born of God in Rome the measure of faith. And with this measure of mountain moving faith, you can move cancers. With this measure of mountain-moving faith, you can remove rebellion out of your babies. With this measure of mountain-moving faith, praise God, you can do whatever the Word of God says you can do. So he's telling them in verse 22, that the God kind of faith, when this is in operation, when something talks to you, you need to answer it back. When something speaks to you, you need to speak up. Every, everyone look at your neighbor and say, speak up. Yeah. Verse 23. For verily I say unto you, that whoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now you're not going to have what you say just when you just parrot scriptures and you, and you just you know, try to coerce yourself into believing something. But you're going to have what you say when your lifestyle is in alignment with the word of God and when this word becomes real in your heart. You see, it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth is going to speak. And so if you want your words to remove mountains, if you will, and your words to have creative power behind them to where when they're released, you need to be a committed Christian and you can't play around with the word. The word's got to be first place in your life. You've got to allow this word to dwell in you richly as a lifestyle, as a way of life. Because the just, you see, are going to live by what? By faith. So Jesus is saying, verse 23, speak to the mountain. So he demonstrated it first, then he told them, now you can talk to your mountains. I never heard such a thing growing up. I never heard you can speak to things and that you have authority to bind and loose here on earth. I never heard such a thing that the name above every name would put the devil on the run. I never heard about the blood of the Lamb and the authority of the believer. Oh, but I'm so glad that I did. I'm so glad that I was 24 years old. I started hearing about the reality of my redemption. And I got that word in me. And oh, I'm telling you what, it's getting richer and richer every day. And the same thing is happening to hundreds of you today. And it can happen for you if you are new in this place. Amen. Amen. Say it with me as I talk to things. They've got to obey. So here's something that Jesus did. 
He spoke to it, he cursed it, and then he walked off. He didn't stand around to see if it worked. No, he talked to it, and he walked off. He didn't try there and try to convince himself that what he had just done would come to pass. He didn't try to coerce himself in faith. See, a lot of people are doing that. They're saying the word of God nervously. Listen, folks, you're not to speak the word of God out of a nervous heart. God wants you at peace. He wants you to give all of your cares to him, no matter what may be going on in your life. And just let this word work its way into your life. Meditate in it day and night. And the word of God will really do your fighting as you believe it and as you speak it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. So we're seeing this principle, right? We're speaking up. Now look at Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. In verse 1. Luke the fourth chapter in the first verse. And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. He returned from Jordan. And was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now here's a thought. Notice that when you're full of the Spirit, it's much easier to be led by the Spirit. Never make a decision until you're full of the Holy Spirit. I'm I'm talking about all things being equal. I mean the big decisions in life. You need to make sure that you don't make nervous decisions. He that believeth shall not make haste. You know? And and, and the the enemy will try to, to, to pressure you into making a decision before the right time. Mark this down in your heart. Never forget it. The devil pressures the Holy Spirit prompts. Okay? He will always lead you sweetly and gently. He is a gentleman. Now, sometimes, of course, course, you'll hear an authoritative voice. Maybe once in a lifetime you'll hear an audible voice, but that's because we've been too dense to really pick up on the inner witness. Okay, that won't cost you anything extra. You don't have to believe that. That's all right. Now notice in verse 2, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he got hungry. You get hungry after 40 days, right? Okay. And the devil said unto him, okay, he start talking now. If, is the badge of doubt, if you're the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now, notice what Jesus didn't do. He didn't pull out his driver's license. Messiah, anointed one. No, he didn't contend with him on that level. Jesus answered him with what is written. We must answer the threats that come to our lives with what is written. I'm not going to carry on a conversation with the enemy. I am going to have the last word. The last word is boss. And the last word, it is written. He said this. It is written. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The last word is boss. How many of you had a strong mama? I had a strong mama. And man, I tell you, Francis Ann Thomas's last word, it was boss. If you didn't obey Fran's word, you'd be in trouble. How many ever came from a home like that? Well, the devil's in trouble. 
when you and I get settled in the word of God and we speak forth the word of God, it's settled. It is boss where the enemy's concerned. Now notice. And uh, he didn't give him a random answer. He spoke specifically to the temptation. Verse 5. And here's what the enemy did. He took him up into a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said, All plus power will I give thee, and the glory of them, that is, for it is delivered unto me. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. But here's one thing you have to do. If you will just bow down. Can you imagine that? That little, crazy, impy, wimpy, defeated devil tried to get Jesus to fall down and worship him. Amazing. Talk about grandiose thinking. Notice how Jesus responded. And Jesus answered. What I want you to see is he spoke up. And you've got to speak up. Jesus answered and said unto Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only will you serve. He answered the temptation. Verse 9. And he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If you be the Son of God, cast thyself down hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. Now the enemy may sometimes give you a partial scripture. That's why you've got to know the whole scripture. Okay? He'll try to deceive you through religious thinking sometimes. Okay? Now, another thought here is this. Is Jesus knew what was written. Well, that was Jesus. Well, you're a child of God. You're an heir of God. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You've got 66 books. It's high time we come familiar with what is written. You'll never be able to answer the temptation until you know what's written. Amen. Amen. And okay, and, and he says uh, in verse 12, And he said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Verse 13, And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed him for a season. Aren't you glad when the devil departs from you for a season? Now sometimes those seasons seem real short. One thing we know for sure, that he is a persistent cuss. And so every time he comes, you come. He comes a hundred times, you come a hundred times. He comes a thousand times, you come a thousand times. The more he keeps coming, you just keep coming with the sword of the Spirit and whoop up on him, amen, with the spoken word of God, amen. So, familiar threats of the enemy. How many have ever come from a family where heart difficulties and maybe some of your relatives died of a heart attack? Okay, there's a few of you with your hands up. Um, you know, the enemy's a liar. And he will point to you what happened to ancestors and relatives and say, you know what? They died at 40 and you're 39 and three quarters. He's such a jerk, isn't he? Such a stinking liar. But that's, that's a threat. And so we just don't want to, oh, oh allow fear to overtake us, we need to oppose that threat. We need to step up, stand up, and speak up. So what would you speak in a case like that? Well, you could look to what is written. Well, what is written? 
Well, first of all, in Psalm says, I will not die, but I will live and I will declare the works of the Lord. I stand on Psalm 91, 16 with long life. Will he satisfy you? And he will show me his salvation. I can remember this was back in 1977. Brenda and I had been married a few months and we were working for Kenneth Hagin Ministries and pastor in a little small church in Sepulpa, Oklahoma, which was a suburb of Tulsa. And, of course, I had been off drugs just a, maybe a year, year and a half or two. So I was having all sorts of alarming systems going through my body. You see, when you're at your youngest, sometimes the enemy will tempt you the most. Because he knows once that word gets rooted in you, he's going to have some trouble. And so, I, you know, I was having some alarming systems, uh, symptoms in my chest. And uh, to be honest with you, fear came. Fear came. Well, when fear comes, you've got to answer that fear with faith. But I, I, I got a rhema word. I got a rhema word that I was able to overcome that temptation with. We were in a prayer meeting at Kenneth Hagin Ministries. You know, before we'd go to work, we had like a little chapel service and a devotional service. And I shared what was going on with me with some lady in, uh, in the ministry there. And she had a word for me. And it simply was this. Your heart shall live forever. And I thought, wow, you know, I didn't understand it. But all of a sudden on the inside of me, yeah, that's right. My heart is not going to attack me. My heart's going to live forever. And I don't know, but on the inside of me, I just took that and I stood against that with the word of God. And I'm telling you, it's been 35, 36 years. I haven't had a symptom since. Listen, I, I really don't know what it was. But it really doesn't matter what it was. The fear was there. And it was trying to torment me. And then there was some real serious problems going on in my stomach. I mean, it's just, I mean, it was just a lot of upheaval right after we got married. And of course, fear was coming to my door and all sorts of thoughts were coming. You know, you're you're not going to live to be 30 years old. You know, that's what they said about me when I was a kid that I wouldn't see my 21st birthday. I mean, those were the kind of words that were spoken over my life. Not by my parents, but by other people. Thank God we busted through 21. You know, by God's grace, we just busted through 61. I'm 62 now. And by the grace of God, we'll we'll bust through 71. But all sorts of symptoms. I mean, just alarming symptoms. And I just took Charles Capp's little book. And I started saying what God's Word said about my situation. Every day, every day, I didn't feel like it, didn't necessarily, you know, get a lot of glory bells when I was speaking the word, but I was working on something. I said I was working on something. Some of you need to work on something because when you work on something, something will work in you and someone will work for you. We were at, you know, probably a Kmart, probably a real cheap place to to go shop. I don't mean that demeaning, but you know, when you're, you're first married, man, glory to God. You, you go to the discount places and nothing wrong with that. And, uh, and so we were there and Brenda was in shop and I was in the car. I'll never forget it. It's just like it happened to me yesterday. Just standing on God's word. No one laid hands on me. But a rhema word had been working in my heart. And I was sitting in that car and it was like warm honey. Went from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. That's the anointing. And all I knew is after that point. I was completely healed, and I didn't have a problem with it since then. 
And I'm here to tell you that if you will speak up and you will answer the temptations that come to the city of your soul, you too can get your breakthrough. You see, the enemy is a liar. And he will tell you that you're a failure. He will tell you that you cannot walk free from sin. You've been saved five years and you haven't lived free from sin for three days. Look, you just fell yesterday. You just fell last week. You are a loser. I beg your pardon, devil. It is written, you be the loser. I be the winner because I'm in him and him's in me. And if you want to be specific with that, just say it is written. Jude 24 says, now unto him that's able to keep me from falling. And to present me blameless before the throne of God at his coming. You see, you've got to discover what is written. But then if you discover what is written and you never speak what is written, you'll lose by default. Did you know that speaking God's word is very possibly could be the number one way of acting on God's word. You see, faith without corresponding actions is dead. We hear that we must act on the word of God. I never thought about this until I heard Brother Moore say this. He said, speaking God's word is the number one way to acting on God's word. Speaking God's word is an act. So the word of the Lord this morning, dear brothers and sisters is speak up. Speak up. Well, you're so wishy-washy. You can't make a decision. You're just one day up, one day down. I beg your pardon. It is written. God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but a power and love. And my mind is sound, devil. I got the mind of Christ. You're the one that's done gone crazy. See, in other words, you've got to step up to every threat by speaking up. Are you getting it today? Very interesting. Jesus, when he spoke to the tree, or when he was tempted out there in the wilderness, he didn't call on the Pharisees and the Sadducees and hand in a prayer request. Now listen very carefully. We believe in the power of prayer in this place. But we also believe in taking personal responsibility and stepping up and speaking up for ourselves. Well, Pastor Mark, I'm, I'm standing against, you know, type 2 diabetes. Would you, would you pray that all those symptoms go away? Yeah, we'll pray and believe that you'll be able to do the right thing concerning your diet. Amen. That's right. Not magic wands here. And that you will stand up and that you will speak up and you'll start calling your pancreas producing the proper amount of insulin in the name of Jesus. You see, there's two sides. There's God's side and there's man's side. There's, there's his side. and our, You never want to factor out God. But you don't want to put all the responsibility on God when it's very clear that God has given us personal responsibility. Oh, now that'll preach. That'll preach. Learn how to answer fear when fear talks to you. Amen? Learn how to answer failure. I'm his workmanship. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm not a failure. I am a winner in Christ Jesus. Everyone say, speak up. Speak up. Speak Speak the word of God. God. 
Now I want us to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Man, we're doing real good for timing. This class listens so good. I mean, you're quick and bright. You're sharp. You're good looking. And I'm confessing you're a major blessing. Amen. And, you know, you might as well say you're very rich too. Somebody says, I ain't got two nickels to rub together. I didn't ask you that. God says you're rich according to his word. Amen. (laughs) Now, one thing I like, and I've learned a lot by following men of God throughout the years, is I like to follow people that are real. Not real carnal, but real. And when, uh, when they face a test, they're not afraid to share the test. And they're not afraid to share how they overcame the test. You know, unless people get real and share what they've been through, how are we going to help people that haven't gotten to the point where they're ready to go through? Does that make sense? I don't know that I could say that again. But, you know, just some of the most wonderful men of God and women of God I've been around are very real. I mean, they're, they're just not pseudo-spiritual or real religious. They're able to share, look, this is what I was presented with. And this is what I was led to do by God. This is what I did. And this is what God did. Amen. Yeah. And you know, when you know that God's no respecter of persons, that'll encourage your heart. That's right. That'll make you happy. Yeah. I've been through a lot of things. Yeah. You've been through a lot of things. Amen. You know, when you're... In Psalm 23, where it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. When you're going through the valley, I know we're going to the other side. But in that valley, you're going to see some things. (laughs) You're going to feel some things, right? Okay. And so it doesn't hurt to share what you've been through. Amen. The apostle Paul did that. I want you to notice with me. Just don't let what you're going through have the last word. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, I want you to notice this. It says, yeah, we were troubled on every side. That's the problem. But here's the answer. Yet, not distressed. I mean, yeah, trouble comes. But we didn't get so stressed out that we tossed and turned all night. We put it over on the Lord and we knew that, yeah, it's midnight, but we're going through and we're going to make it. We're troubled on every side, yet we're not distressed. That's the answer. We were perplexed, but we weren't in despair. We were persecuted, but we have never been forsaken. You know, we don't know what persecution is like over here in America. They know what it's like in Russia. They know what it's like in China. Paul knew what it was like. We really don't know what persecution is like. But Paul said, you know what? I've been persecuted, but he's never left me. That's right. Hallelujah. He's never forsaken me. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So remember that in what you're going through, he'll never forsake you. I love this one. We've been cast down, but not destroyed. One translation says, I've been knocked down, but by the grace of God, I'm never knocked out. You, know, you might be down for the five count and the six count, but I want you to know you've got resurrection power in that ring of life with you. Amen. And that resurrection power is able to put you back on your feet. That's right. That's right. And he'll do it. 
And so speak up, saints. Speak up. Say the word. Answer the things that come to your life. It's easy to answer, you know, when everything's going well. (laughs) Isn't it? But now, let me encourage you. Learn to answer the little things. Learn to answer the little things. The, the little headaches. Learn to answer those, those little things that nag you. In other words, develop your faith right where you're at in your little everyday life today. In our little everyday life. Do something now. Amen? Don't wait for this huge, long, bad report from the doctor. Amen? Believe God to pay your PG&E bill. Believe God to have some food in your cupboards. Stand up and step up and speak up. You see, your answer is your faith. The question I have for you today is, how are you answering the opposition? I encourage you to become skillful in answering and speaking up. Years ago, and I've, I've hurried my preaching today because I have a 10-minute clip I want to show you. It is 12.11. This clip will be over about 12.22. And you'll learn so much from this. And then we'll have communion. But how many of you know Ed Dufresne? Ed Dufresne is a great man of God. He has um, a wife that was Miss Oklahoma years ago who is probably one of the best Bible teachers um, that I know of next to my wife. But, but at their conference a couple of weeks ago, she shared an illustration. And how many of you remember Dr. Lester Sumrall? Yeah. Dr. Lester Sumrall was in, in the Philippine Islands. And he was, he was famous for an event that took place in the Philippines. And as a result of this event that took place, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people were saved. Hallelujah. Because it was news all over the Philippine Islands. Amen. One of, the, one of the headlines that came out after this event took place is, The Devil is Dead. <laughs> now, this is a little bit of a graphic illustration, but not too graphic. So let's roll it and let's play it. Ten minutes. Hang in. I was reminded of something that Dr. Sumrall's testimony of when he went to that Bilibid prison in the Philippines. And he heard testimony. He, he heard a report, rather, on the radio. He was listening one afternoon, and the radio announcer came on and said, If you have a weak heart, turn down this next broadcast. So he says, I reached over and turned it up real loud. Don't you love that? And they were giving the announcement about a a young girl. She was 17 years old who was arrested for prostitution on the street. She was orphaned at the age of 12. And to make a living, she went into prostitution. And she became demon-possessed over that period of time. And they... When they put her in prison, those demons started physically biting her to where it appeared in her flesh. You've heard his testimony. And as he uh, was listening to them tell about that, he said, we need somebody. Is there somebody out there who can help this girl? She had cursed 
a, a doctor had said, you know, she was making it up and she cursed him and within 24 hours he was dead. One of the, one of the uh, prison guards, she lunged at him and he struck her, knocked, hit her back, knocked her, knocked her back. And after she, he struck her, she cursed him and he's dead within 12 hours. And everyone's frightened because when this girl curses somebody, they drop dead. And so they were appealing for somebody to come and help. And as he was listening to this, they said, turn the radio down if you have a weak heart. He turned it up and all of a sudden they put the microphone up to her and she started screaming, they're biting me, they're biting me. And he's hearing this over the airways. And God said, I want you to go set her free. And he answered to God and he said, God, get somebody else. And this was God's answer to him. I don't have anyone else. What's he saying? I don't have anyone else who knows how to answer this. There's no one else talking to give an answer to situations like this. Remember what I said? Your ability to stand strong on the word in the face of opposition will determine how useful you'll be to God. Dr. Summerall had shown himself useful to God. He knew how to stand his ground in the face of opposition. So when opposition came, this didn't come against him. This came against someone else. But God was saying, I found a hard case in the eyes of men. When men, all the men had been called in, all the Catholic priests, all those trying to, you know, exercise this devil out through all their Catholicism and all their steps, nothing's working. In the eyes of men, it's hard. I've got to, who, who can answer? And he found a man who knew how to answer. He found a man who knew how to answer. And he went in there and the mayor went in with Dr. Summerall and the news reporters and everybody came in. And uh, they came to observe this event. And he walked in and this, this little gal didn't speak English. But when he came in and she laid eyes on him out of all the reporters, out of all the political officials that were there, she laid eyes on him and said, I hate you in perfect English. He said he knew it was that devil talking. But he knew how to answer. And he went over there and clamped his hands on the side of her head. Each side of her head. And when he did, he didn't know this, but when men would touch her is when the demons would bite her. A woman could touch her and they wouldn't bite. But when a man would touch her, then those demons would bite her body. And so when Dr. Summerall put his hands on either side of her head to cast the devil out, they bit her. And she passed out from the pain of it. And they said there, those prison guards said, she will be out for several days. When she goes out like this, he said, she'll be out for several days. We'll have to come back. And he says, I'm not coming back. We're doing this now. And he grabbed her upside the head and walloped her and said, come back now. And she came back just like that. (laughs) Talk about child protective services. It's at work for you. (laughs) He is protecting the child, isn't he? And when she started talking after she came back, she started in the foulest language, he said. The most foul language he, uh, that you could conjure up. She started talking and she started cursing his family. He, she cursed his mother. Dr. Summerall's mother said, you are, the, you are an SOB. And you know what Dr. Summerall did? He answered her. He said, my mother 
is the name of Betty Summerall. My father is George Summerall. She has a husband. She is not a SOB. I am not the son of an SOB. She is not a B. She's got a husband. I'm legitimate. He answered her. He gave off his family genealogy, named it. He's answering. You see, that's what Jesus did when Satan said, turn these stones into bread. He started talking to him about bread. Let me tell you what bread is. Bread is the word of God. See, he started talking to him about what he was tempting him with. Dr. Summerall didn't just say, spirit of the devil, I cast you out. He started answering that thing. And he listed his own genealogy to show that he was not an SOB. He was not an illegitimate child of a woman who was, who was uh, uh, whoring around. And then she started cursing God. And she, Dr. Sumrall, when she did and said in the phallus language, started cursing God. And Dr. Sumrall answered her. And said, he is the creator of the universe. And she started, he started listing all the attributes of God. Right there in the presence of all of that, that media. In the presence of all those political officials. What's he doing? He's showing them how to answer. How to answer. He's the creator of the universe. He is the creator of all mankind. He's the one that puts the breath in man. And he starts listing the attributes of God. And then she curses Jesus and says, and Dr. Summerall answered and said, he is the son of God, the only son of God, born of virgin birth, came to this earth to bear the sin of man and just started hammering, listing the attributes of Jesus. Knew how to answer. Then she started cursing the blood of Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Started cursing the blood of Jesus. And he started listing all the attributes of the blood. It is divine blood that flows from my Emmanuel's veins. And it washes the sins of man away. It leaves a man spotless, clean from the power of the devil, clean from the power of sin. List the attributes of the blood. Because he knew how to answer. Because he knew how to answer. And it wasn't long after that, they walked out of there with that little gal free, perfectly free. Cast the demon out of her. And he put her, they, they, they released her into his care and he put her in the home of a congregation member. Just set her free, you see. Why? Because one man knew how to answer when no one in an entire nation knew how to answer. Your ability to stand fast on the word in the face of opposition will determine your, determine your usefulness to God. Whenever he cast the devil out of that little gal, they kept her for another day or so. And he said, honey, now she was perfectly in her right mind. She couldn't speak English anymore. Couldn't speak English anymore. So he had to work through an interpreter and said to her through the interpreter, That demon will try to come back. When he comes back, you tell him no. That I'm a child of God. He got her born again, you see. I'm a child of God. And say, I hold the blood of Jesus against you. You cannot touch me. You cannot harm me. So she's in that cell. Later, just a period later, just several hours later, and that demon comes back in. 
and she, that thing comes and she feels it tangibly grab her and it paralyzes her. Did you know that's the way the devil wants to work? He strikes with such force that you paralyze. You, you forget what the pastor preached Sunday morning. You forget what you've been studying in Bible school. You forget all that because it feels different than you thought it would feel. <laughs> now that's a big key in case you didn't know it. You think, oh, I got this. I got this. Yeah, because you're not feeling it. But once you feel it, do you got, do you got it? You better got it down here for. And so that demon came back into that cell and it, it started to bite her again. And she cried out to the person that was there that interpreted and said, quick, what did he tell me to say? What did he tell me to say? And they remembered and told her and she said it and that demon left. Yeah. And she said it just went out the window and it never came That's back. That's good. That's good. All right. And he put her with a Okay. So here is the lesson. Here is the lesson. You've got to answer what comes to your soul. Lester Sumrall uh, had fellowship with Smith Wigglesworth years and years before Brother Wigglesworth died. Brother Sumrall was a general in the Lord's army. He went to be home to be with the Lord maybe 10 years ago. That's a true story. As a result of that, they, he called in. The, he would not go into the prison cell. He wanted to get the approval of the mayor and the political officials to come. So there were 100 people there in a, in a room. And he said, once the battle started, he said, all 100 people hit the, hit the ground and just started praying. Just started praying. And a victory was wrought. And the mayor came to him afterwards and says, what do you need? What do you want? Well, across from the prison, he said, yeah, there's a square over there. And he said, you know... The people over here have greasy hands. You've got to give them money to get this passed and that passed. He says, well, how long do you need it for? He says, I need it for at least six weeks. And he said, done. Gave him this square in the middle of the Manila, Philippine Islands, and 100,000 plus people were born again. It's a miracle. And so, listen, that's a, a very graphic breakthrough. But God wants the same breakthroughs in your life. You don't have to put up with the lies of the enemy. There is an antichrist spirit that walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The antichrist spirit doesn't like the Christ in you. But we don't care what he don't like. We love the Christ in us. And so remember this law of reciprocal. That everything the enemy tells you, the opposite is true. Amen. At the other end of the lies is the truth. You're sick, you're healed. You're poor, you're rich. You're depressed, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so answer it. Learn what is written and speak what is written. Let's all stand up to our feet. Amen. Raise your right hand toward heaven and say this to me. Heavenly Father. I thank you that the greater one lives in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Through Jesus Christ, I'm more than a conqueror. Thank you, Lord, for giving me a long, strong, healthy life. Thank you for redeeming me, my family, and my friends. From the curse of the law. Devil, you can't curse us. We're too blessed to be cursed. Thank you, Lord. Your blessings are upon our lives. 
And from this day forward, I will step up and I will stand up and I will speak up what thus says the Lord. Well, let's give him some praise right now. Amen.